I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal-Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's east side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. And good morning. Welcome to What's Next. My name is Jay Moran, and on this uh, Native American Heritage Month, we are continuing our, our focus on just that, issues related to Native Americans. We have uh, come to understand that the Lakeshore Central School District, 15% of its student population identify as Native Americans. It's over 300 students, as a matter of fact, and that is going to be a, an anchor for our conversation with three guests this morning. With us, we have uh, Jordan Cook Sr. Jordan teaches the Seneca language inside the Lakeshore District. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks, for, thanks for coming in. Also, Stacy Perpera. She is uh, the uh, Native American Support and uh, Title VI Coordinator. Good morning to you. Morning. Thanks for inviting. And we're able to get to the principal uh, from Lakeshore High School out here with us as well, Dr. Katie Berner-Wallen. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Uh, a pleasure. Let's start with, with the principal. What about this focus? There's a lot of events we're going to get into uh, uh, regarding um, Native American heritage during this conversation, and we're certainly looking forward to talking about that. But what about a larger perspective of uh, what, you know, building a, a, an appropriate atmosphere for your Native American student population, what that's all about at Lakeshore. Uh, one of the things that's so important to us is being able to shift um, our focus with our students and to be able to provide opportunities for students from the Seneca Nation within our school community. So making sure uh, we offer Seneca language for students as soon as possible. So in starting in seventh grade, all the way up through their senior year, as well as providing elective courses like um, the, uh, what is it, Native American Film Study. Um, we also offer courses on culture as well um, that provide students with a better holistic understanding of what it means to be Native American, both for Native American students and also for students within our school community who are not from the nation. This is a question maybe we better say for the end and the beginning, but how well does the population, do the populations of students merge? I mean, it's, I know just uh, I did a show on the Thomas School uh, yesterday and how uh, the kids from the Thomas boarding school would go to Gowanda and to finish their education and, you know, the type of, um, you know, racial prejudice that they would face there. Now that a lot of things were different then, you know, the kids would be showing up in, in boarding school uniforms and things along those lines. And that was back in the fifties. Now we're here in the 2020s, but what about that? How do you, how do you gauge that? How do you see that situation? Honestly, I feel like our kids, um, really are just kids. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're, they interact with each other um, of all races, of all kinds. Our students celebrate the things that make us the same and the things that make us different. And I, I, I generally feel like, and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm in my office too much, but I feel <laughs> like there's a sense um, of, of unity among all of our students. And then within our, within our Native American community, there also is a sense of, of, 
of owning their their responsibility to uphold their culture and to uphold the history and the stories from from the nation as well. I see uh, some heads nodding here as well. Jordan, yeah, you have some thoughts like, there? Yeah, like to add to what um, Dr. Bernawan said, we, we sort of have that struggle every day to provide um, a sense of community and belonging and unity within a school district setting, like providing language as early as seventh grade. And it's difficult sometimes for our students to come into um, an institutionalized learning setting and sort of have their language and culture withheld from them until they reach seventh or eighth grade when they can participate in Seneca language when they when they're at home and they might have it you know within our community events and we try to teach them you know to to have some patience and to take some pride in whatever you may already know and bring that to the district and share it you don't have to wait to be told what you can learn um, to take some ownership to take some pride in whatever it is you know within your family or your community and share that with the district with people who may not understand and to kind of embolden them to like be proud don't be shy don't be embarrassed, um, and to bring that with it, whatever opportunity they, they have, like Native American Heritage Month. I just, I'm going to probably reference this conversation I had about the Thomas Boarding School a few times, but a big part of what that school and other boarding schools did is they tried to separate mm-hmm. and really squelch that particular portion of, of culture for Native Americans. You use the word pride. I mean, do you sense Kids are, I mean, you know, I, I know how it was being a 13-year-old kid, you know. I yeah. mean, it's a, you know, but I mean, do you sense or do you see elements of that, lights of that? Or the sense I get growing up with that historical knowledge about my own grandparents, right? And for, and at least I observe it, witness it in a lot of the students. They have a pride in the level of resiliency that they develop because of it. You know, there is sort of a hidden shame like, oh, we went through this and we were treated so terribly. To know that they also like you're a survivor, you know, um, that you know you've you've seen some stuff, and your family's worked hard to keep you alive and keep you thriving, and they're working to help continue. I don't want to say the assimilation process, but the self-integration. I like to refer to it. Interesting. Taking ownership of your education and your responsibility and partnership with the larger community around you, um, and uh, you know, hey. You know, facing the reality that, like, no, you're not going to live hidden, sheltered off on the reservation territory away from the world. If you want to thrive and you want the things that you want and you want to achieve your goals, you got to go out there. You got to take part and participate and learn to interact with a diverse group of people. Something that I really encourage with my uh, Native American students is to get involved. Join a club. Join two clubs. Join a sport. Stay after every day with a teacher. Get to know people. It makes the educational experience so much better, and it also creates more understanding from teachers as well. Um, it's also worth noting that kids, a lot of the kids that are coming to Lakeshore have an option of other districts. We're talking about the Native American kids. Mm-hmm, uh, they have options of other districts to go to. You mentioned how sports Jordan has <laughs> maybe yeah. a little bit of a, a little bit of a, uh, for lack of a better term, a recruitment tool. That's probably not the right yeah, word like, to use. At least the success of some of our sports programs have, has drawn the native students from other districts. Not that we're trying to compete, but we just want to do our best to help provide um, our community with the opportunities that's going to help them get to college. So if that's playing in a better level of competition in a larger section or class, and get the opportunity to go be seen by coaches and scouts and then, you know, inspire them. Like, no, it's possible. It's possible to go to college and still retain your cultural identity and go participate. Um, 
And so if we can provide that as well as we can for the entire community, not necessarily trying to compete with the other districts, but working in conjunction with them. Right, and I would have to think that there might be some value to that for a young student who says, yeah, this is where I want to be, right? This, you know, whether it's Lakeshore or Silver Creek or Gano- mm-hmm. uh, Gowanda, you know, there might, I would think, mm-hmm. again, some incentive for a student. I, I know how I felt when I went off to school in the morning. It wasn't necessarily much incentive there, just other than I had to do it, right? <laughs> uh, uh, we want to talk about a couple of events that are coming up here. Actually, got quite a few, Stacy, that are coming up here. Uh, at Lakeshore, but the one I want to just jump on right off the bat is the one that is coming up tomorrow, Wednesday. Yes, tomorrow. An Indigenous Makers Fair. We are hosting first one? the very first Indigenous Makers Fair for our district. Uh, it's going to look like an open type of fair, mill around, okay. visit 35 to 40 artisans from the region, um, make something, try something, try um, a uh, craft that you've never even seen before or knew how to do, um, you know, try a game you've never tried, try archery, see some live hawks. Live <laughs> hawks. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's it's going to be really fun, really engaging. Uh, in two hours, you can make a bunch of things, see a bunch of things, try something new. Um, what else? What uh, like you said, you said moccasins, I think. Yeah, uh, we what have. What other makers ha- might we have? Yeah, we'll have some demonstrations. Uh, um, someone making a pair of moccasins. We'll have a demonstration uh, from Dr. Rodney Herring from Roswell, actually, making a wooden right. lacrosse stick. He'll be there with us. Um, we have some corn husk dolls. You could do beading, learn about the three sisters, try some food samples. Okay. Um, yeah, all kinds of things. And one of the, and we were talking about one of the demonstrations. What was it? Uh, the, uh, what was the one demonstration with oh, the, the hoop and javelin? Hoop and javelin. Yeah. Explain yeah. that for me, please. Oh, so one of the games that sort of uh, comes from our culture, more of like a kids' game to train them for their hunting skills, was to make a hoop, maybe about a, a foot or so in diameter, uh, out of a willow branch, and could roll it across the ground, and you just practice trying to stop that hoop in its tracks with a, a spear, essentially. Um, and it's just, it's fun, it's challenging. It's one of them cultural games that you don't realize is actually training you for survival, for hunting. Uh, and you sound like you have experience actually doing oh, this? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty good at it? Uh, let's say I teach language. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Speaking of hoops, I want to put in a little plug. We have some hoop dancers joining us as well. Hoop dancers? Um, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting form of dancing. It's beautiful. They hold what appears to be hula hoops, but they're a little bit smaller. They make them into shapes. They put them on their body. This is a dance group that formed uh, a little over a year ago. Their name is Hoops for Hope and Resilience. Um, hmm. They formed really interestingly out of a class that Doris Sampson was teaching at the on the territory, and they formed this group because they've all had some sort of trauma. So all of the people in the group are at different points in their hoop dancing career, but um, I've seen them perform, and it's absolutely a beautiful sight. So you can not only watch them perform, but then they will let you try it as well. <laughs> well, I'll pass on that part of <laughs> myself as well. Uh, I want to steer away from the, and we'll get back to some of the other events that are going on and, and also repeat some more information on the Indigenous Makers Fair. But uh, uh, Dr. Katie Berner-Wallen is the principal at Lakeshore High School. What about when it comes to integrating this uh, Native American population, ma- making it part of mm-hmm. the student population? Is there training 
for teachers? Are there things that they have to be able to understand uh, to you know, make sure that everybody feels included? So every year as part of our orientation program for new teachers, um, one of our orientation days is on the Seneca Nation. And they sit through um, a day of, of training where they learn about uh, cultural norms and they learn about what what trauma, what type of experiences these students may have had prior to coming to our district. Um, as early as what what happens when kids arrive in kindergarten and um, expectations and how culture and expectations uh, within the nation might be different than cultural expectations in other parts of Angola and in other parts of our region. And so we kind of learn about some of those differences from people from the Seneca community. And that that type of experience also carries on to what happens throughout our experience with students. We have a JOM program, which is the Johnson O'Malley program, okay. um, which is a federally funded program where uh, we are able to provide tutors and supports for students inside of our building. So from the moment a student arrives in kindergarten or even in a, our pre-K program, although most of uh, our students from the nation attend a pre-K program on the Seneca Nation, um, but from the moment they arrive as a Lakeshore student, they are provided with supports of as as students from the nation. So Johnson O'Malley program may provide them with additional resources for, for reading and for writing. They may provide them with study skills, um, focusing on executive function and building those skills that they need in order to be successful students. And it's built into their schedule. And we're fortunate enough that we have two staff members who provide a lot of that work within our elementary buildings in our middle school and we also have the support at our high school and some of it is counseling some of it is um, community liaisoning where they provide the support or if um, for example a student is struggling with attendance we we have our jom support and our support staff for our native native american students will go out to homes and say, hey, why aren't they coming? What can we do to get them here? Or what do you need? We noticed some things have been lacking. What do you need from us? And we are able then to build that sense of community for our students so that they know they're not alone, that we're able to provide them with those resources. And this year we have a new staff member who is providing us with a lot of education as well. Um, Jacinta Garcia joined our team, and I'm not sure of what her title is because it has a lot of titles below it. Um, <laughs> so I'm passing this to Stacy. Yeah, so Jacinta Garcia is the, like a Native American cultural resource. Okay. So K to 12, she's seeing individual needs or seeing where maybe um, there's a small bit that she can get involved in. Maybe she'll come teach a lesson. Um, she's formed reading groups with elementary students who have been identified as just needing a little bit of extra support. And so she'll focus with maybe more indigenous texts. If you see yourself in a book, you're more likely to want to read it. So she sees that need and helps meet that need with those students. Um, she may just go to a social studies class and say, hey, where can I help? Or she's even gone as far as to have um, reached out to teachers and teachers will say, hey, I'm going to teach this lesson on such and such a treaty. And Jacinta might find a student who has particular knowledge or interest in that and ask the student to help teach the class. When a student takes ownership, they will learn it more. Their classmates will respect them more. They'll enjoy the class more. It just to jump back a little mm -hmm. bit uh, to you, uh, Dr. Uh, Bernard Wallen, w one of the uh, items that you mentioned, and I'll open this up to all three of you, 
you mentioned how the, some of the tra- you have a day of training over at, at the Seneca Nation, and learning about some of the maybe trauma <laughs> that some of these students have gone through. Are, are we seeing with the the native population, Native American population, different trauma than you might see from a young kid who grows up in Angola or whatever? Are there are there unique situations that uh, we're dealing with here? I would say as the Seneca language teacher in my classroom, dealing directly with a lot of Native students um, all day long. Um, yes, yes. But to the extent that it's occurring through the entire district, you know, is in comparison to other non-Native students, that'd be, a, you know, could you expand though on what types of uh, uh, for as instance, much as you can, yeah. uh, certainly our native students are more comfortable uh, socializing with each other so when they come to Seneca language it's difficult to keep a structured lesson because for them it's social hour they really want to catch up with each other as to what's been going on in the day they're trying to plan out the rest of their day they're trying to help and console each other with whatever issues are going on in their lives um, a lot of times we're talking about uh, contemporary social issues within the Seneca community, uh, the, the death of a prominent community member, uh, political issues going on within the community. Because the community is so tight-knit and closely related, uh, what might be a small issue to somebody in Angola is a big, has a lot of resonance within our community, and the students come to, come to school and want to sort of have that resolve of what's going on. Uh, the best example is, of course, over the summer we lost... <clears throat> We lost our um, one of our religious centers. The Newtown Longhouse burned in a oh. accidental fire, and it just struck waves to not only our native community on Seneca ter- ter- territory, but throughout uh, native ter- indigenous territories across New York State and um, Southern Ontario. So many other communities reached out to us how they could help. Sent people, craftspeople, artisans, um, laborers, skilled skilled tradesmen to come down and offered their help to help rebuild our uh, our longhouse and within a couple of months we had enough funds and enough help we recently um sort of dedicated they say or moved the fire for our rebuilt our rebuilt longhouse um just last month oh wow and so it really it really struck a chord within our community to see the resilience of our people the interconnectedness the interreliance of the various communities that um we might be either um directly related to, or we just have strong social connections to, um, to see everybody reach out and the support that, that happened, um, really, really sort of re-sparked, uh, sparked a renewal in everybody's kind of pride within the community and our history of resilience as a community. Um, so that was a big discussion we had in school in the beginning on the first day of school, the kids all wanted to know what happened. Why did it happen? What are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? Are they going to have ceremonies for the upcoming ceremonies in, during the midwinters and fall? And so those were the discussions we had for the first few days, just trying to help bring them that sort of spiritual guidance. Do you think, uh, do you have to be well, maybe, a, I don't want to say extra sensitive, but in being prepared to note what might be happening with your with your native students? Absolutely. Um, one of the things, I mean, it's, it's pretty prominent in just high school in general, is there's that ripple effect where there's a death in a family and it impacts not just one kid, but five or six kids. But because of how small and how close-knit our students are from the Seneca Nation, um, one death might represent a loss for maybe 25, 30 kids instead of two kids or maybe a small family because, you know, it might just have been, I shouldn't say just have been because it 
you know, of course. minimizes somebody's life, but it might have been somebody's grandmother, but that grandmother also took in this other family and also helped babysit this person's children or provided support for this family in their time of need. And so there's always this general sense whenever there's, there's a crisis or there's a death um, on the Seneca Nation, it's something we're all made aware of because we want to make sure we can provide support to all of the students who are with the domino effect of one death and, and its general impact over, over a general population. This summer, we also had a horrific um, car accident that um, caused the death of a former student from Salamanca who had just graduated and her young child and she was a new mom, and there were at least in, in our summer program five or six kids who had a relationship with her because our students often have strong relationships with kids who live in Salamanca because it's all part of the same group. And so these students were really affected by this student's death because she was so close in age to them and related to them that we ended up sending an email to a variety of people saying, hey, just want to let you know this is what happened. Um, you just tread lightly, the student may need some extra support. And that's one of the incredible things about this community um, as a whole is that we often will share this information and then the outpouring of support for one kid who's struggling is, is incredible because nobody wants to see a kid struggle. Right. And, and just to expand on that then, we're talking about the whole school community yeah, gets behind it. Yep, we get behind, we rally, um, we find ways to support. Um, I think just even in, not even in times of need, but in times of greatness with our lacrosse team, as an example, Jordan's one of our coaches for our lacrosse oh. team. Oh. Um, I just help out when I can. I just <laughs> when, um, when they made it to the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. um, the number of Lakeshore fans in the stands in Rochester uh, was incredible. And it wasn't just kids from the nation. It was kids all from the entire school community. And when we lost the next day at school, there was a very clear um, sense of loss for mm. all of us, not just those kids. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I would think from a, a principal standpoint, whether you were at Lakeshore or somewhere <laughs> else, merging of, you know, building that type of um, culture inside yeah. your district um, has to be very um, both I mean, it's got to be a priority no matter where you're at, oh, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, trying to find a way to to expand that, but seeing, you know, differing groups come together and all of a sudden merging uh, as one like that has yeah. got to be very satisfying, I think. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, take a time out. We're going to talk more about this. Of a, a lot of different things coming up uh, at Lakeshore uh, during this particular month, which is Native American Heritage Month. We'll be back with more. This is what's next on WBFO. Do you hear that? That's the lullaby of Broadway. Join me, Anthony Chase, on a memorable trip to New York City, January 22nd through the 26th. We'll see five hit Broadway shows, Kimberly Akimbo and Juliet, Back to the Future, A Beautiful Noise, and Shocked. And we'll eat at Sardi's. Transportation, hotel, and select meals are also included. Space is limited, so don't delay. Call 716-630-3731 or visit wned.org slash travel. Hi, I'm Christina. I love exploring the world around me and... 
I have behind-the-scenes VIP tickets to some of the most exciting places and people in Western New York. And you can come along with me from wherever you are. Let's go! A new series you can watch on WNED-PBS, the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel, and on PBS Learning Media Nationwide. So let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go! You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using whatsnext at wbfo.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And welcome back to uh, What's Next with us from uh, Lakeshore High School. We have uh, Stacy Prepara. Stacy is the uh, Native American Support and Title VI Coordinator at uh, Lakeshore. Also with us, uh, Jordan Cook Sr. He teaches the Seneca language at Lakeshore and also the principal of Lakeshore, Dr. Katie Berner-Wallen. Um, what brought us together here, a lot of different events that are coming up at Lakeshore for this Native American Heritage Month. We talked a little bit about the Indigenous Makers Fair that's coming up tomorrow but you've got a couple of other uh, events coming up here, Stacey. you got quite a few, actually, i got to tell you. But here's one. November 15th, Rock Your Mocks. That's right. It's a national day, actually. Is it really a national day? Rock okay. Your Mocks. Uh, lots of people have traditionally made moccasins or moccasin slippers. But if you have none of those, Rock Your Crocs which are very <laughs> popular. Or right. your crazy socks. So everyone can participate and just show unity. Okay, so but so just inviting the kids, teachers. Everyone. Teachers love to dress up. Teachers generally do. Speaking. Teachers do, and mocks are very comfortable. You're gonna wear. Uh, yeah, you're gonna wear oh, yeah, your moccasins. I got several pairs. <laughs> <laughs> I got my Doug Martens. They're sort of like modern moccasins. I wear yeah. those quite a bit. Yeah, they, this is yeah. what I wear all the time too. Here, as a matter of fact. All right, so rock your mocks is November fifteenth. November seventeenth, it's middle school fun Indigenous theme day for. Yeah, uh, our JOM teacher, Miss Parker, and um, our JOM Johnson O'Malley. Oh, Johnson O'Malley, I'm sorry. And okay. uh, our Title VI homeschool liaison, Miss John, have planned this evening event where the theme will be an indigenous theme. Um, there's going to be actually a fashion show, uh -huh. so some traditional outfits that um, girls and boys may wear. And then there will be a lacrosse shoot and I imagine some other crafts and games, too. All right. All right. Very good. And then uh, uh, elementary school socials. Yeah. So a social is a good way to just get together and kind of listen to music, sing, dance. Uh, there's some social dancing that um, takes place. And the whoever's emceeing the event will um, lead that and they'll teach all of the elementary kids exactly how to do the dance or maybe they'll get to try it and at, at some point every elementary kid will be on their feet dancing maybe the <laughs> rabbit dance or anything <laughs> and, and and none of these uh events so far have i heard mention of corn soup is we're gonna have corn soup at any of these things or no no oh, we, we were no. trying of course it's a it's a process, lot of goes into that but it's some of what we've done within our High school classrooms for our white corn project. Oh, is that right? Fall, you know. Yeah, because that would be something that would get people. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least one of us would come into the door for that. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Um, let's uh, let's uh, talk then a little bit about teaching Seneca language. Um, this is a, a great development. I I, I mean, I, for the most part, it uh, uh, your your students are 
kids uh, from oh, from, yeah, the, from yeah. the nation. Most of our students are enrolled members of the Seneca Nation. Okay. There's a small portion who are from members of other nations. All right. So we have Seneca, Cayuga, Mohawk, Oneida, Onondaga, like myself. Um, but a lot of what we identify specifically as Seneca is also very, very similar to what the language and history and culture of those other nations as well. So we have an opportunity not just to talk about Seneca culture and history. We can talk closely about Cayuga history, Mohawk history, and the language as well. And we'll make the comparisons between the difference in linguistics. Um, and a lot of the students enjoy that, being able to get the sense that, oh, there's a lot more to our culture than just one way to say something. So, so you, you then you're able to identify these connections then between yeah. the different native, native yeah. languages. How yeah. similar... Are they? I mean, um, I mean, that's that's obviously a subjective uh, question, but I mean, you know, or is it, uh, or is it some so, work well, to put bring it I all guess together? The best way to describe it is Seneca is the most difficult because of the linguistic changes that that have taken place over the last couple centuries from uh, European influences. Um, going back to the history of the Western New York area was uh, what they call the Erie Triangle, a strong area of trade during the fur trade era there in western expansion so you had a lot of other different nations coming through speaking their languages you had a lot of other european uh, nations coming through and that influence shows in in the morphological changes of the seneca language as it's spoken today in relation to kiyuga onondaga oneida and mohawk we have to sort of go back and reconstruct the words and we can see how they actually are really similar to mohawk when we can kind of break it down linguistically um. Again, this is this. It's going to be really difficult for you to answer this, but just how difficult is it to to learn Seneca? Um, we've heard the linguists that we work with um, from various universities say it's probably the most difficult. Really? Yeah, because of the amount of changes that have occurred, you have to go step by step to, you know. Is there one word um, or one phrase or, or one, uh, one identification that stands out as just a great example of what you're talking about here? Um, we have we have in Seneca language what we call the nasal A. It's a ass. We've got that here. Yeah. Yeah. Don't we? Yeah. yeah. And that might be the influence of a lot of other okay. people Sorry. that are still here today, right? Um, we have a sound in Seneca that we refer to as the nasal A, but it's a remnant of like uh, the, an R or a trilling R in other languages. So, um, what's an example? Um, oh, I kind of put you on the spot yeah, with that. I mean, sorry about that. Drawing a blank. That's all right. Uncle that Suio is like, we're fortunate. Right. Okay. And that a unguada is the remnant of R. Um, and that's a subtle sound, I know. Um, but it's only us in Seneca really have it. Okay. They still have it in a lot of the Cuga language, um, not so much in um Onondaga or Oneida and Mohawk, which are still have that R sound. Right. And you did not grow up with No, the I grew Seneca up originally language. in um the Onondaga Nation territory south of Syracuse. I grew up speaking Onondaga, um, attending the reservation school out there. We had a class specifically for Seneca and culture. So two sections out of our day were specifically devoted to language and culture, apart from math, science, and English. So it was a huge culture shock to come to um, Western New York and attend a public school where, um, and I hate to use a that buzzword, but our culture and our language m was marginalized. Right. We were fortunate to try and go to JOM or Title VI and hang out there, and maybe the teacher or tutor who was there might have something we could refer to to look at 
learn language or culture. So much more expansive yeah. now. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, so much more expansive in all the districts and what we're able to provide to our students to help familiarize them with the language and culture. Um, I saw you nodding over there, uh, uh, Principal um, Bernard Wallen. Um, again, kind of back to a, a general question about that, but and can't, I can't ask you to go back to the history of how this all evolved in Lakeshore District or anything along, along those lines. But at the same time, you know, how, I, want to, I want to try to phrase this the right way to get a, a, an expansive answer. Just the idea that at one time there was next to nothing being taught in schools when it came to um, Native American culture and most certainly uh, the Seneca culture. And now that is changing. Is this something that is a, a change that you see as a benefit to, to all students? Oh, absolutely. I think when, when anyone gets to see themselves um, in the literature that's being taught, in what happens in a classroom, and that their experiences are not just talked about but respected and questions are asked um, so that people can better understand them. It creates a shift in their sense of community and their sense of belonging. This year, I'm so excited, one of our English teachers is teaching a new text um, with her freshman called The Firekeeper's Daughter. And it's a text about um, a Native American group out of Michigan. And the students are absolutely loving it. And in addition to that, she's made some adjustments and is teaching some books that are um, that cover things like gun violence and cover a more urban experience. So although our kids are on the border of rural, um, it's an experience for some of these kids uh, that is new, but for other kids who have moved here from either from the city or from other experiences, uh, gun violence is probably not something that's completely foreign to them. And so being able to create an experience that meets a kid where they are so that they feel valued and they feel like they can contribute and that it's an exciting piece. Um, as a former English teacher, you know, there's always that, that idea of dead white guys, and that's all that we taught. <laughs> and that doesn't represent who we are as a people and who we are as a student population. And so instead, bringing in this new literature, um, I've, when a kid comes to me and I see one of the books on the table, then when they, we sit down and talk, and I'll say, hey, what do you think about this? And to see them clutch that book to their chest because they're having that beautiful relationship with a book they see either themselves or they see something that they relate to in comparison to no offense to the great gatsby but i don't see a lot of our children relating to the great gatsby i love the great Gatsby. i, I do too but it's it's not necessarily a life that they understand sure. but to see the firekeeper's daughter and there's mystery elements within this and there's drug elements within it not that we are a community revolving around drugs but there's um drug activity and there's this mystery it's a real reality exactly for, for it's children, the reality yeah. of of today's society sure. and the kids are absolutely loving the fact that we're finding things to connect with them. General question and I'll, I'll let all three of you kind of take this in any way you want but so we have this opportunity now for the, the Native American kids to learn the language to do other things that are, are culturally significant and, and, mm -hmm. and inclusive. Is it bringing the overall student population together in a certain way. We talked about the lacrosse team in, in its own way, but do we see kids who, and you have a great understanding of this, who 30 years ago probably didn't care for whatever reason, didn't care what you know your tradition was. Do you see that sense that, yeah, there's, there's that needle's moving a little bit? Oh, certainly, certainly. You know, I'm, 
my, my wife graduated from Lakeshore. Um, I graduated from Gowanda. So we have, you know, together we both kind of see the difference okay. in the way the districts themselves have evolved their relationship with the Seneca community. And growing up working, still working within this environment, we see the gradual change of the level of involvement of the graduates as they go on and they become involved in things like um, the gaming industry and its in, in, in its effects within the economic community of Western New York and to see the sort of pride that our people have to work at that level of professionalism and involvement with, you know, with what's going on um, than to just, you know, be an add-on, for, yeah, like yeah. for like a better you term. Know. Yeah, uh, and you, I can, Stacey, I yeah. can say that. I think that we are trying really hard to make our students, all students, see themselves every day in that building they walk into, whether it be in art on the walls, in classrooms, where in text, in math class, whatever the case may be, I think teachers are really aware, more so now than ever, just because of more training that we've had. Um, you know, make your students see themselves and they'll want to be there. Okay. All right. right. Like additionally, like um, just to see, like not see our students come out of high school and not only go to like a professional work environment in the gaming industry or wherever else, but to see them come back to enter our um, traditional programs, our traditional language programs, the Language Nest, the Sully Huff Heritage Center, uh, to see, and the adult immersion classes, to see them come back and want to participate and become teachers or. Uh, cultural instructors um, within the community itself and the, the sort of advanced knowledge they have going into it that they're not starting from scratch. And it just becomes a reinforcing, you know, positive feedback loop that's does work to our benefit, you know. Did you have something you wanted well, to add to principal? I think there's also this innate curiosity in kids that they want Certainly. to learn and understand what they don't know. And we see that. Like, you'll see a, a student ask questions um, in a U.S. history class or in a in – we, we now have a civics course um, that we teach. And the students just want to understand each other better. And it's not in a sense of I want to be better than, but I need to understand you and where you come from so that we can – bond and we can find a way to move through whatever these things that are happening and I think our kids are really good at that they want to they want to be with people who are like them but also understand and be with people who are different than them so that they can grow and I'm so proud of our kids for that it's great to, to hear that and I think sometimes for kids it's it's easier than than adults right I mean they're, they're not as set in their ways I'm curious I'm going to throw this again another type of a question out to all three of you and you could take it or not but are there is there a conversation or a, uh, types of words, things along those lines, now that you're so immersed now in your district with trying to make sure that this Native American uh, student population is included, we hear things being said a certain way or words that are used that just are like fingernails yeah, on a chalkboard. On a chalkboard. <laughs> um, do they still have chalkboards at school? Um, but yeah, but it, it, anybody want to take take that on as a, like we're just, you're just you hear this like we got to get that out of the conversation. That can't be part of the dialogue because it's it's not helping us advance. I know I have um, worked hard to correct people when they use the word res. I say the nation, the territory um, because they're that's based on my understanding and my learning, that's what we need to call it, is the Seneca Nation, the Seneca Territory, rather than the reservation, because there's 
a connotation associated with what a reservation is that is negative and doesn't represent the Seneca people. So it's something when I'm having conversations just in general public and somebody says, oh, I went to the resin got gas. Oh, you went to the nation. And <laughs> finding polite ways to just rephrase that instead of saying you're wrong, but just providing them with better words right. so that they're better educated for the next time they have that conversation. Stacy, sure. Yeah. Um, I would say I started at Lakeshore in 2008 and you would still hear kids in the hall saying, oh, that Indian. Mm. So I don't hear that at all anymore. Maybe just from old people, really, who who just have that in, that idea elders. in yes, the elders, uh, you know, who the have elders. that idea within them. But you don't you don't even necessarily hear someone saying, "Oh, that native kid." They just call them by their name, right. and that's a, a, such a difference. Okay, that's great. That's yeah, maybe the best news I've heard in a long yeah. time. Yeah, uh, Jordan, you got some uh, perspective on that. You know, I always encourage even the native students when they talk about. I'm not it. Oh, that white kid. It's like I'm sure they have a name, you know. <laughs> nice. Um, and to get our own native students familiar and comfortable with opening up and starting those kind of conversations where they can become friendly and sociable and cordial with individuals they're not familiar with, okay. you know. Oh, well, go find out their name. Go ask them. You know, don't be afraid to talk to that teacher. You know, ask them. They'd rather you ask than to sit there quietly and they'll they're wondering if you need help or not. They can't help you if they don't know. Um, so just teaching our native students to be comfortable engaging in simple conversations to make them make themselves accessible in terms of sharing who they are, getting to know how to communicate. Let's uh, take a, another time out on what's next, and we'll come back with our, our final moments as we continue our conversation. Here it is, Native American Heritage Month, and we have uh, three members of the Lakeshore High School family with us talking about how things are developing inside their school building as well. We'll take a time out. This is What's Next on WBFO. Did you know that WNED PBS is always working on great new local shows for you to watch? Documentaries like Kleinhand's Gift to Buffalo, which tells the story of Buffalo's music hall. The hall is very intimate, and that intimacy makes everyone who comes in here feel a part of our family. Fun and educational series like Compact Science. Believe it or not, peppers are technically fruits. And Shakespeare's greatest hits featuring some of his best-known soliloquies and monologues. We are such stuff as dreams are made of. You can watch them all on our website at wned.org slash local shows. While you're there, check out the show pages and many websites for additional content such as bonus features, photo galleries, and lesson plans. Find it all at wned.org slash local shows. Birds, whether common or rare, delight me. That's what our new Now We're Birding and Enjoying Nature Club is all about. Oh yes, and the best is being with people who are also interested in wildflowers, animals, and of course, birds. Come along with us, won't you, Peter Hall and me, Stratton Rawson, as we lead monthly excursions to Tift or Rhinestein Woods Nature Preserves. To sign up, go to wned.org front slash birding. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at wbfo.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. 
This is WBFO, your NPR station. And welcome back to What's Next. Uh, today, we are talking with three members of the Lakeshore High School uh, family. We have the uh, principal, Dr. Katie Berner-Wallen. We also have uh, Jordan Cook Sr. Jordan teaches the Seneca language at Lakeshore High School. And Stacy Perpera, she is a Native, Amer- Native American support and Title VI coordinator. That's a big, big, uh, big title there. Um, as we coming down to our, our final minutes here, for sure, I, Jordan, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by your, your experience. Um, obviously, just by hearing you talk, you are deeply invested in life with the nation. And, and it sounds like you have a lot, uh, you have a lot of stock in these kids <laughs> that come to that school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, I grew up, um, in a different environment than sort of what the Seneca Nation has. Um, where I grew up was a traditional government chieftain system. My mother was a traditional title holder. She's a clan mother. Uh, like I said, the school I went to had classes specifically for language and culture at, very, at right from kindergarten. Um, and when we moved here to Seneca Territory and I attended the new public school that I went to, um, it was culture shock to... Um, sort of have that part of my identity put to the side and to focus on uh, Western academics. And to see the importance that it had, not just on me and my siblings when we made that transition, to have that base of cultural knowledge. Um, I feel fortunate that the Seneca community itself sort of invested in me, provided me with opportunities to better myself that I may not have otherwise continue to attain if I had stayed in the traditional system of the Onondaga Nation. And I feel like I sort of um, not owe that to them, but I would like to give back to the community in a way that provided me opportunities that I wouldn't have otherwise had because of the the knowledge base that I came here with. And so to see um, a lot of my peers grow up and they move on to their careers and their various aspects in their lives, and I'll be able to help their children that, you know, that are peers with my my children, to see them interacting on the lacrosse field, in the classroom, at the daycare, at the Head Start, um, is really rewarding to see sort of the fruits of our labors over the years and to um, sort of uphold my own family's tradition of educating. My mother is a certified New York State teacher. My grandparents and all my uncles were uh, what they call showmen. You okay. know, they traveled around and demonstrated the songs and dances in various capacities, whether it's at fairs or colleges or um, other public gatherings for for decades, you know, as a part of the Erie County Fair, the New York State Fair. Um, so to try to continue that that tradition within my family um, and but take it to the next level, now we're trying to incorporate it into the everyday lives of the students at the school, not just at the one-off show, you know, during the year. We're trying to help them, teach them to incorporate that in their everyday lives and to make their help them develop their decision-making process when they consider their traditional values and to have that to become a part of it so that they can find some self-guidance, some self-reliance, apart from just waiting for somebody else to hand it to them or to figure it out for them. Um, So, you know, and I feel fortunate that, um, that again, my experience has taught me the importance of that that cultural background knowledge um, all the way back through things our families experienced in boarding schools all the way back to corn planter and mary jemison you know really knowing your lineage helps to know what your family went through and to what you can do contribute to contribute to the next generation 
You just uh, you just went across a couple of centuries of uh, history right there <laughs> yeah, in, a, yeah. in a couple of seconds. Uh, is that something that you took personally that you wanted to learn on your own, or is it uh, something that was like you, I mean, like you said, your mother was a certified a, teacher, you know? A little, a little of both, you know, being a, being able to be exposed to that amount of real history at such a young age does like kind of put that hook in you to like, I really want to understand that. I really want to figure out why it's that way. And so when those opportunities arise, you find a new book or you listen to a new speaker or a new YouTube or a new, you know, a new audio book or something that helps to explain history and how social societies interact, sociology, anthropology, though all those things interest me to figure out how our people came to be who we are today because of the things that have happened to us in the past and how we can use that knowledge to inform our thinking and our actions in the future. And do you find uh, your students are oh, taking, yeah. taking the bait there a little bit? Yeah, following, I following find I have following? a really strong relationship with quite a few students who come in and they ask me life questions. Mr. Cook, what do you think I should do? You know, my, me and my mom are arguing about this or me and my dad did that. You know, what do you think? And I'm like... You really should be talking to somebody at guidance about this. <laughs> but I'll help you the best I can. I was going to I was going to ask about guidance, and I'll turn this over to, to Principal uh, Bernard Wallen. Now, what about that? I, I mean, do the guidance uh, or counselors at school do they need to have a special understanding when it comes to uh, the Native American students? Um, I think absolutely. Um, understanding the history of of a student's family and understanding the cultural um, shifts are really important. Uh, our school is working really hard to be trauma-informed, where we take a look at not just who a kid is, but their history and understanding them holistically. And so when you look at some of the research on trauma, a tr generational trauma can have a significant impact on the next generation. And so we're, we're dealing with children who are products of products who were in boarding schools. And so there's, it's important to understand that in order to be able to support and treat that. Um, do you know how that, uh, do you have an, an <laughs> understanding of how that maybe manifests in, a, in the modern, or you know, a kid that's in Lakeshore right now, the Thomas boarding school closed in 1957, yet you, you say that, as best you understand, there's still <laughs> that generational impact? You know, there's there's some research on it. I I'm not I'm still learning the research. Sure. I'm I'm gonna look at my peers to see if they can help me with any of, of what it says. I know what the nerd says of myself, but what have you read as well? Yeah. So trauma actually acts on the brain. It causes a shift in your brain and the chemistry of your brain. And so if you are a product of someone who experienced trauma, historical trauma, it stays with you. So you may get a kid in your class who starts doing something wild you're like what did i do maybe you didn't do anything maybe they heard something maybe they read something and just triggered them and so then you have to figure out how to de-escalate that situation hmm. and bring them back down and there's significant research out there and um it's really important that teachers understand that like just give them a minute you know they need to just take a minute and so I think Lakeshore does a really good job of that. And Jordan, I, I, I think I saw out of the corner of my eye, you're nodding your head oh, as yeah. I was asking. Yeah. yeah. Um, we do. We see it every day. And sometimes it manifests in more extreme ways than others. Mm. You know, the students come to school with certain behaviors. They don't even realize that they exhibit on a daily basis that, you know, a lot of regular, not regular teaching staff, but they're unfamiliar with. Their training doesn't cover that area. Right. Um, so those students come in. They're sort of set off with a little incident at home in the morning, and it just 
compounds throughout the day. It's in it. It's just reiterating in their brain. They want to process it and get rid of the the stress and frustration, but they don't realize that that's the issue that triggered them in the morning. Maybe a disagreement with mom or dad or something they overheard on a bus. Um, and then it comes to school and then they, they act out um, later in the day. Um, so we just constantly try to help do sort of those so, uh, social emotional check-ins. Hey, what's going on? You don't seem like yourself today. How you okay. feeling? And not even so openly like, what are you doing? It's like, ah, oh, what's going on? Oh, did you get that assignment done? How come, you know, you really should work on it. And then that kind of can lead into, oh, well, I did, did this last night and I got in trouble and I didn't do this, so I didn't even get to focus on it today. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And, and even that little instant of them getting the validation that they're suffering through something is enough to like for them to pack it away and like, oh, okay, okay. I'll be all right. Okay. Um, we're winding down here in our, and we started with this. I want to make sure that we finish with this. And this is the Indigenous, Indigenous Makers Fair that is taking place tomorrow. Tomorrow night, 5 to 7, Lakeshore High School, athletic entrance. Okay. What come are we going to see? I'm afraid a lot of folks are just <laughs> tuning in here. <laughs> yeah, you can come join our maker movement. This is an indigenous. Maker movement. Yeah, this is an indigenous-themed maker fair. But um, come learn about indigenous culture through art. You can try something new that you've never tried before. You can take some crafts home that you make. You may get to uh, start it and finish it, or you may have to finish it at home. Um, you can try hoop and javelin. You can try social dancing. You can try hoop dancing. You can just come and take it all in and just be an observer. So we've got an opportunity for anyone right on up any age, from young to old, and then have dinner at the food trucks that will be there. But you didn't not promise me corn soup. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> that would have, be a great idea yeah. for a food truck. Yeah. <laughs> only can we're, serve it once or once a right. month, though. But <laughs> we're gonna have uh, Buffalo Burger Brothers, okay. and special teas, and that's wood fire pizzas. Uh, and um, do we do you have an alum coming back for a special event? Is that tomorrow or the alum from Penn State? It's the day before our Thanksgiving break, so okay. she's coming home from for break from Penn State, and she contacted me. She was a former student. Asked if she could come talk to our Native students about what her experiences have been. She actually was instrumental in starting a new Indigenous club at Penn State. I imagine there's not a lot of Indigenous people at Penn State. So she has kind of carved her way, and she's made it a place that feels comfortable to her. So it's important to hear from people who aren't too far removed from your age and what are their experiences and put yourself in their shoes and think, I could do that. Uh, we're winding down here with just about uh, uh, 90 seconds or so to go. I'll, I'll just toss it around, maybe a, a little final thought as we talk about Native American Heritage Month. Uh, Dr. Katie Berner-Wallen, um, how about for you? What is What do you see in this month? I mean, it, it's been around for a long time, but it seems to be uh, gaining a little bit of a, more of, a, of a, a general acceptance, I guess, for lack of a better term. I think b the students being curious and being curious about people who are different or the same as you and, and using that to build your own nuggets of knowledge and store those in your pocket for when you need them later um, is one of the things that I always take away from Native American Heritage Month. And Stacy Prepara, what about for you? Sure. I see, see it in our school as a celebration of culture, but it's also important to remember that Native American people are Native American every day, so we can celebrate their culture daily. I see you nodding your head there, Jordan. Your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's exactly it. And it. Just to reiterate what they said is um, it's an opportunity for all the various sort of nuanced areas of our community to showcase themselves, to showcase what it is special about their family or their community, to 
not just a school district, but a, to the larger community as well. And to also remind our own students, you know, your cultural identity is who you are all the time. It's not just this one time a month. And how's that Lakeshore uh, lacrosse team going to do this year? Oh, better than ever. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, I want to thank our guests, Stacy Prepara, also Jordan Cook Sr., and Dr. Katie Berner-Wallen from the Lakeshore High School here talking with us on Native American Heritage Month. This has been What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown.